Seltzer Kings Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, absolutely, Gavin. You have my solemn word that when I retire, you can be the host. Never gonna happen. The following podcast contains... Profanity, food jokes, and tired comedy references. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you uh, hid in that closet to spy on your boss while they talked about your promotion. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 436. Now you're just a Leno that I used to know. And it's the finale for our winter series for 2024, Late Night with Dave Bledsoe. We're talking about the weasel in NBC's hen house, Jay Leno. Stay tuned. The uh, What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Nunzio's Talent Management. And I promise to you that either you get the gig or somebody gets hurt. When it comes to finding someone to represent you in the cutthroat world of show business, you need aggressive representation. This is where Nunzio comes in. Nunzio specializes in tough negotiations with over 30 years of experience in getting what clients want, even if it means we have to arrange some kind of accident. Nunzio knows that the art of negotiation means holding a position of strength. Nunzio's guys have spent years working out in prison yards, <laughs> known in their particular negotiation style, if you know what I mean. So when it comes time for you to find someone to represent you in a contract negotiation, go with the guys who will hurt someone to get you the best deal possible. You go with Nunzio. Kind of bummed because I'm missing right now, even as we speak, uh, my favorite cultural train wreck, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. <laughs> I'm like a rubbernecker, man. Every night, it's the crash of fucking metal when that show starts. Me and my friends have a little office pool wondering exactly which episode and which guest is going to be on the night Jay finally puts a 9mm in his mouth and blows his Dorito shilling head off his fucking body. I think it's going to be Joey Lawrence from the show Blossom. Uh, Other my friends beg to differ and think Patrick Duffy, a more likely culprit. So, hi everyone, welcome to the show. Tonight we have Joey Lawrence. Hi Joey, how are you? It's good to see you again. Boy, it was always my comedic dream to be 44 years old and interviewing a little Tony Danza wannabe every three months. Boy, I'm fully, I'm fulfilled as a human spiritually. So, so... You know, if I could give just one piece of advice to the young men of today... Hey look, it's Grandpa! It'd be to ease the fuck up on your friends when they fuck a girl that you wanted to fuck. My story just took a completely unexpected turn. Really? I think you'd be used to me taking the low road by now. Anyway, when I was in my 20s, I had the hots for this girl. She's gorgeous, long red hair, alabaster skin. Crazy as a rat in a tin shithouse is what. You know, checking off all the boxes for women that I was into. Now, the girl and I were friends, friendly, but had I been at all self-aware or indeed able to communicate with members of the opposite sex in any rational fashion... I would have known that she did not like me the way I liked her. 
And this is entirely my fault because, again, I want to be very clear on this. I was uh, emotionally immature. Now, to make matters worse, from my perspective at least, what she did want to do was fuck my best friend. Now, today, I would have handled this situation completely differently. Well, I, uh, not sure how you pronounce it or anything, but I, uh, I believe it's menage a trois. But in those days, I was nowhere near as worldly as I am now. So what I did was let the whole thing fester, pretending to my best friend and the girl that I was feeling great about them being together. That was the best idea of the world. But on the inside, I was all like, Everybody betrayed me. I fed up with this world. Because not only had the girl spurred me, but my best friend had knowing full well how I felt about said girl, had sex with her anyway, and then told me how the sex was. Very hot and awfully wet. It churned in my guts for weeks until... One night, when my best friend and I were out drinking together, I just went and sucker punched him right in the gut. The fuck, dude. Now look, I didn't hurt my friend. I'd like to say this is because I'd intentionally held back on the punch, but in reality, I'd never been in a real fight in my life, and my sudden vicious blow to his midriff was more like a light tap on the tummy. Fucking pussy. My friend did not punch me back because he was a, too, a true friend and too good of a person to beat the shit out of a blubbering drunk man. He put his arms around my shoulder, wiped away my tears, and told me, it's okay. The pussy wasn't that good, and it wasn't worth losing a friendship over. And also, the girl he had discovered was actually... She's sociopathically batshit crazy. And was kind of scaring him. You see, she thought she was a witch, which, funnily enough... When he broke up with her, she cast a spell on his penis as a curse. And, well, you know what? That's that's a story for another podcast. In the interest of full disclosure, I did reach out to my friend before I recorded this to make sure that it was okay that I tell this story. And he only said, sure, go for it. He called me a fucktard and then told me that the pussy was even better than he told me back then, which really should have gone for that menage. Suffice it to say, what I'm trying to communicate to the young people out there is... Guys get too fucking worked up when they all feel that they've been betrayed. Unless, of course, you and your friend are both in contention to be the next host of the most popular late night talk show in America. And that brings us to this week's topic. And the whole reason I did a month worth of show about late night talk shows in the first place. That time that Jay Leno blew Falcon David Letterman and stole the fucking Tonight Show from him. What an asshole. I want to begin this mean-spirited assault on Jay Leno by saying that once upon a time, Jay was one of the best comedians of his time. His deadpan delivery and eye for the absurd made him a stellar stand-up comic. Very exciting to be here. We flew in about four or five days ago. There are about, obviously, you see about 50 people in the crew. So rather than come on a commercial flight, NBC put us on a chartered plane. Save a couple of bucks. You ever fly on a chartered plane? This is like stepping into the hole of some kind of flying slave ship, this thing. Jesus. No seats, bodies piled on bodies. All the pilots are lined up in the terminal. They're pumping quarters into that insurance machine. One flight attendant for the whole plane. Helga the stopping mare was our flight attendant. Kind of a large, burly woman wearing this Mayan death mask. She's handing out this concoction of gruel and bug juice. I mean, the movie was Eraserhead, all right? Just to give you some idea. Now, you know, I don't want to die in a plane. Nobody wants to die on a plane. But if you are going to go down on a plane, you want to go down on American or United or TWA or Eastern, you don't want to go down on a chartered plane. 
You know, these are the kind of planes when they do crash, you only hear about it on cable. You know, they... And if that sounds trite and cliche to you now, that's because at the time, Leno was the one who was inventing that whole genre of comedy. And Leno was also one of the comedians that made other comedians laugh, which if you've ever known a stand-up, you will recognize as the highest possible praise in their world. I, a layman who fancies himself mildly humorous, you overestimate yourself. have pulled this off once in my life with a joke, and the reaction to their laughter was better than any sex, any drug, or any booze I've ever had. And Leno could do this on the regular. He spent his early, early years touring like a madman. He would do 300 shows a year, a brutal schedule by any measure. And Jay Leno was liked, he was respected, he was even fucking admired in the comedy world. So what happened? Well, short answer is Jay Leno became the host of The Tonight Show. James Douglas Moore Leno was born in New Rochelle, New York. Rochelle, Rochelle, huh? A young girl's strange erratic journey from Milan to Minsk. April 28, 1950, to parents Angelo and Catherine Leno. The family moved to Andover, Massachusetts, where young Jay grew up. Jay was the funny kid in class. Every grade had at least one kid that all the other kids thought was hilarious. Many of them specialized, be it fart noises or the ability to roll your eyes in the back of your head or making funny noises and voices. I made funny noises and voices. Why am I not surprised? Quick tangent time, not every funny kid went on to become a comedian. Most of us were just looking for a way to keep the cool kids from bullying the shit out of us. We learned early on the one way a chubby, nerdy kid could gain some small shred of acceptance was by making other kids laugh, usually at you, but you could pretend they were laughing with you. If you could mock yourself before the other kids could mock you, you could deflect most of the hurtful comments. In some cases, this could be parlayed into a career on stage, but in most cases, it just scarred us so deeply that we just caused us to make podcasts in our middle age to deal with our unresolved childhood traumas. That explains it. Now, like most funny kids, this came at an academic price. According to Biography.com, quote, his fifth grade teacher's report card comments read, if Jay spent as much time studying as he does trying to be a comedian, he'll be a big star, unquote. Still, you know, Jay did well enough to go to school at Emerson College. Emerson. Emerson. <laughs> Emerson, big old boobies you got there. Really, Dave? Sorry, I will always be a 13-year-old boy at heart. Leno graduated with a degree in speech therapy, which just goes to show there's no one true path into comedy, other than, you know, of course, deep psychological issues and substance abuse. Oh, that was way harsh, Ty. While in college, Jay started the first comedy club at Emerson. You, uh, the one with the black hair, is your name Emerson? Oh, that's weird. It's Emerson big old titties, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where chances are Jay did not use a joke like that, even though it's a fucking classic. Now, Jay was never known for working blue. He didn't swear, although he did do innuendo. You know, Doctor, I'm getting a little tired of the sexual innuendo. That was somehow nastier than if he just did the dirty version in the first place, but I'm getting ahead of myself now. After college, Jay packed up and headed for the place aspiring young Massachusetts comedians go to break into the big time. The Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, fuck you. If you, you see, all comedians do callbacks, and if you paid attention last week, you'd realize how genius that joke was. 
No, he went to, of course, he headed west to Los Angeles because that's where comedians got seen. Jay went out on the comedy circuit, hitting all the clubs up-and-coming young comedians played in L.A. at the time, including and particularly the Comedy Store, which we briefly explained last week, and I do not feel like I need to explain again. This is a series, folks. Do the work. Listen to them in order. It did not take long for young Jay to land his first appearance on The Tonight Show. Pod friends. Let me try to describe to you what you would see were this not an audio medium. A very young Jay Leno bounds onto stage wearing a suit so green you would be kicked out of a bar on St. Patrick's Day because the bartenders thought you were being a smartass. He has so much fucking hair, it was so tall, it required special zoning ordinances to clear the air rights around him as he walked in a room. And that pointy chin that became so jowly later on in life was so sharp, it could cut diamonds. I'm not going to make fun of Jay's chin just his body, but goddamn, that thing looks like a needle on a goddamn record player on that youthful face. I'm glad that you're all in a good mood tonight because it's always a pleasure to introduce a new comedian to The Tonight Show. This young man's name is Jay Leno, and uh, this is his first appearance on The Tonight Show. Later this year, he's going to make his film debut in The Silver Bears with Michael Caine, which is not bad. Would you welcome, please, Jay Leno. Jay? <laughs> Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm originally from the United States. Any United States people here tonight? Oh, what a small world. Isn't that funny, no matter where you're from? You know, I've been out of California for about four or five months. And I just got back, and I notice now, when you call directory assistance here, you get a recorded message. If you're unable to find the number in your directory, please stay on the line, an operator will assist. Call the weather today. Have you looked outside? Again, modern audiences don't find this, you know, funny. Leno and a few other comedians were literally creating the observational comedy genre, which was the mainstay of the 80s and 90s stand-up comedy. And on top of his stand-up work, Jay landed several roles on television. Quoting now from Wikipedia, quote, During the 1970s, he had minor roles in several television series and films. First, in the 1976 episode, J.J. in Trouble of Good Times. These people don't know each other. Where you been? Out of the country? VD's an epidemic. But because of the way you get it, a lot of people are afraid to admit they've got it. <laughs> That's simply ridiculous. <laughs> a germ's a germ, ain't it? I mean, really, what's the difference between VD and your cold? Very little. <laughs> and in the same year, he was in the pilot of Holmes and Yo-Yo, unquote. in the hospital. Come on, Alex, you're a good cop. By the way, who's my new partner? We call him Yo-Yo. He weighs 427 pounds. He's a completely mobile computer, specially programmed for police work. Is he indestructible? We think so. Send in Holmes. No one, including Holmes, must know his identity. Alex, no, don't. You're not a person. You're not going to tell them? In my book, you got to make himself a good cop. That's what I put in my report. Yes, that was a real show that ran on network television for 13 episodes 
in the 1970s. Well, it was the 70s. Back to Wikipedia. After an uncredited appearance in the 1977 film Fun with Dick and Jane, he played more prominent roles in 1978 in American Hot Wax and Silver Bears. His other film and television appearances from that period include Almost Heaven, Going Nowhere, One Day at a Time, Americathon, Polyester, The Wild One, He Was on Alice, and The Feminine Mistake, and the Do the Carmine episode of Laverne and Shirley. His only starring film role was in the 1989 direct-to-video collision course with Pat Morita. You know, Mr. Miyagi. And he also appeared numerous times on Late Night with David Letterman. Fucking bitch. Leno was one of Johnny's kids, the young comedians that Carson adored and was grooming for big careers in show business. So when Johnny started cutting back on his workload in The Tonight Show in the mid-80s, Jay was tapped as one of the regular fill-in hosts while Johnny was off golfing or meeting his next ex-wife. I want to be honest, Jay Leno was a perfectly competent fill-in host for Johnny Carson. I mean, he was no Joan Rivers, but he knew all the beats and he was engaging enough. Welcome back. Uh, my next guest has starred in many film classics during a career that has spanned five decades. His latest movie is City Slickers. Please welcome Jack Palance. But it was when, jo it's when Johnny announced that he was going to hang up his golf putter for good in 1991 that the trouble started. And as we told you last week, Johnny Carson had always felt that David Letterman was the choice to succeed him as the host of The Tonight Show. He told NBC this, and from all I could glean, pretty much assumed this was what was going to happen. However, the NBC executives had issues with Letterman. He's a punk and a clown. And this left the slim possibility for an enthusiastic young go-getter to do an end run around Johnny and Dave and secure for himself the cheriest gig on all of television. The host of The Tonight Show. And all one would need to do is go against the wishes of the person who had given you your career and stab a trusted friend in the back by shit-talking him to an NBC executives who were already looking for a reason to choose someone else. And by God, Jay Leno was ready, willing, and able to do exactly that. Because again, there's a reason why people call Jay Leno... Call him fuck weasel. For David Letterman, tonight was a lifelong ambition. For Leno, it was good business sense. A New York Times article from 1994 discusses the difference between the two. Quote, in the mid-1970s, Letterman began to date Meryl Mark, a young comic and comedy writer he met at the clubs in Los Angeles. We were on one of our first dates, he said, and I told her she was the only person that I ever told Meryl Markle her David Letterman's dream. Step one, get to The Tonight Show, do a killer spot, and then sit next to Johnny Carson. Step two, succeed Johnny as the host himself someday. And even after he got Late Night with David Letterman, the 12.30 a.m. show on NBC in February 1982, and quickly established himself as the hottest television talent of his generation, he retained the dream and the plan. No campaigning for the job, nothing but respectful comments about Johnny. All along, he believed he would earn The Tonight Show with his work, 10 years of groundbreaking comedy, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenues for his network. Jay Leno's ambitions were simpler, but no less intense. His goal was to establish himself as a working comic, not as a television star, an all-encompassing emphasis on hard work and honest effort that would come to define both his career and his personality. <laughs> Jesus. For Leno, a career in show business was not something you dreamed about. It was something you worked on, like a car. The Tonight Show was a mecca because Carson was not so much an idol, but the foreman of the most important plant in the business, unquote. Oh, and I just want to say for the record, Johnny Carson 
refused to appear on Jay Leno's Tonight Show ever. That alone says what needs to be said about how Jay did during the succession. Now, Dave had fucked up because he never insisted on having ABC, NBC put in his contract that he would get The Tonight Show when Johnny retired, something his agents and his friends urged him to do. So the door was open to rat fuck Letterman through that slip up. And through that door would march Helen Kushnick. She had been Jay's manager since before since he began his career and had shepherded him towards his goal to be a super successful comedian. She was very good at her job. Leno was a great comedian, but he had a reputation as a bit of a doormat on the business side of comedy. A totally cultivated reputation by Leno. Helen Kushnick was not a doormat. She was a fucking battering ram. Her reputation for being abrasive, demanding, and a general asshole was very well deserved. But without those qualities, it's doubtful she would have become as powerful as she was in the comedy scene. Look, if, if you really want to understand Helen, uh, Helen Kushnick, then you really need to watch Kathy Bates as she portrayed her on the Late Shift movie about the entire late night wars. Boy, I knew I could expect shit like this from a dickless wonder like you. Well, fuck you, Helen. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. A story in the New Yorker described Helen and Jay's relationship in 1992. Quote, the connection between Leno and Kushnick was based on more than friendship. Kushnick looked after Jay Leno. He was everybody's picture of a nice guy. She, on the other hand, has said of herself, I've never been anybody's favorite person. On his climb to the top, Leno, quietly, a quietly ambitious man, avoided the feuds and jealousies and eternal politics of his trade and was able to do so largely because of Kushnick being an eager combatant. Jay and I have been together a long time, and he doesn't do this part of it. He doesn't do the ins and outs, Kushnick has said. He's a very simple person. He's a nice guy. He doesn't think ill of anyone. He doesn't have that kind of mind to put things together and say, oh, this one's doing this one, this thing, and this one's doing that thing. I, on the other hand, have been in the business for 25 years. I totally understand the stuff that goes on, unquote. As we will come to see, Jay did understand, and he understood it very fucking well. But Alan Kushnick was a master at rat-fucking because she rat-fucked Johnny Carson just the same. More from the New York Times, quote, in February 1991, Kushnick still did not have a firm date from NBC for Carson's retirement, and she was getting impatient. Using an associate in New York as a go-between, Kushnick has to plan to force the issue. She asked me to plant a story somewhere, the associate said. Kushnick wanted the story in the New York newspaper. She wanted it to get great play and have absolutely no fingerprints, no attribution at all. Kushnick's associate was not an NBC executive, had no inside information, but had long experience in excellent contacts in print media. The associate called the New York Post on February 10th and asked for a guarantee of a front-page play in exchange for exclusivity. The story that Helen Kushnick planted was that Carson's ratings were in the shitter and NBC was desperate for him to retire. That's actually fucking true, as we learned in our episode about Carson. The thing is is that no one could ever say that publicly because it was Johnny goddamn Carson. So Helen just was fucking them with the truth that they could never speak out loud. Say what you will about the woman, she was a master at how to play the fucking game. Going back to the Times, quote, Leno had never allowed himself to doubt Kushnick. Her choices had worked well for him so far, and it was easier to trust her than examine their relationship too closely, and Leno recognized that the post story was likely to upset Carson. 
And as usual, he tried to do the right thing. He called up Johnny and said, Hey, listen, Johnny, about that New York Post story. I'm sorry it came out. You know, I know you think it came from us, but I don't know where it came from. It came from you, Johnny said evenly. No, let me guarantee you. I checked with my manager about it, and she said, under no circumstances did this come from us. I feel terrible about this because people just think that I did it. Johnny didn't prolong the conversation. He just told Leno that in show business, you sometimes had to be very wary of situations where other people speak for you, unquote. Now, I can hear some of you saying, well, gee, Dave, maybe it wasn't Leno's fault. You know, it really seems like this Helen character was kind of a... Well, she was a total bitch. And she was. She was the first to admit this. So it seems plausible that poor, hapless, good guy Jay Leno was totally clueless and so nervous about what was going on behind the scenes that he hid in a janitor's closet to overhear what NBC executives were saying about him while the decision was being made as to who got the Tonight Show. And that is a true story. And I'm here to tell you, it's not the case that Jay didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Jay Leno was never that goofy, go-along-to-get-along guy who let Helen run his career while he cracked jokes in blissful ignorance. Because let's talk about what happened with Helen. Because you see, one of the things that Helen arranged when Jay got to The Night Show was that she got executive producer status over a lot of people who had managed The Tonight Show for a very long time. This made people on the crew upset. And as executive producer, Ella Kushnick made a rule which upset even more people, this time pissing off Hollywood in general, something you're really not supposed to do because she imposed a rule that any guest appearing on The Tonight Show would only appear on The Tonight Show. No Letterman, no Arsenio, no Dennis Miller, nowhere but Jay's couch. This was fucking stupid. The Tonight Show's ratings dropped off badly after his first year when Leno took over, and Letterman, even before he left for CBS, was eating Leno's lunch. Hollywood had zero reason to agree to such a stupid fucking rule, and when they could get the exact same publicity without it. Kushnick also shat all on the NBA executives way harder than Letterman ever did. I mean, Dave didn't like having a GE light bulb salesman tell him how to run a show, and he made some jokes about it. Kushnick told people to go fuck themselves to their face, no matter how high up on the hierarchy they were. She did this because the contract she had negotiated for herself and Leno included massive buyouts for, her, for them if they kicked her to the curb. And she probably didn't help her cause when she appeared, was interviewed at length on Howard Stern's nationally syndicated radio program. Her theory about The Tonight Wars was that she had been set up by an alliance of, by an alliance of powerful but insecure men. I mean, that's really what this is about, Kushnick told Stern. These guys have been operating for years. They hate that a woman is in charge, unquote. Which, okay, probably true, but also, Helen, you were just stepping on dicks everywhere you went, and those dicks were attached to the people that actually had the power to do shit. It took your humble pod host a long time to figure out to just shut the fuck up and cash the paycheck. Because sometimes being right is not worth being fired. NBC clamped down hard on Kushnick forbidding her from talking to the press without an NBC PR flack present. Kushnick began leaking rumors that she would sue NBC for sexual discrimination. And through all of this, poor Jay Leno just seemed to be pottering along and telling jokes. 
When he finally learned how bad things were, again, from the New Yorker quote, the full extent of the insulation cluster kept built, built around Leno may be seen in the fact that he seemed only vaguely aware of the controversies that had been raging around tonight for the past four months and was genuinely perplexed when he realized how serious the situation had become. When he brought it up to Kushnick, she said, I've been serving you steak dinners for the last 18 years. I just haven't bothered showing you how I slaughtered the cow, unquote. But in the end, NBC decided they had enough to shit can Kushnick. And when they told Leno they were going to do so, Leno asked if NBC what would they do if he quit over Kushnick being fired. And Warren Littlefield, the president of NBC, told Leno that uh, they would just give the show to Letterman, who was still at NBC at the time this was going on. And that was all they wrote for Helen Kushnick. She was fired, barred from the production lot, and while Leno issued a few bland press statements to he just kept right on showing up to work day after day. Again, from the New Yorker, quote, Over the past decade, Leno had seen Kushnick, his protector, endure a series of personal tragedies, and he vowed to look out for her. In 1983, her three-year-old son Samuel died of AIDS. In 1987, she was found to have breast cancer. Two years later, her husband Jerry, who had been Leno's co-manager, died of cancer. On his deathbed, Jerry Kushnick had made Leno promise that he would always be there for Helen. In 1990, her cancer recurred, and she went underwent a mastectomy, and she was still in chemotherapy when she negotiated Leno's move for The Tonight Show. And through it all, Leno told her that he would put his career on hold if necessary, and he had tried to fill in as a surrogate father to Samuel's twin sister, Sarah, now 12, who calls him Uncle Jay, unquote. Oh, see? He's a good guy. You know what? None of that shit ever fucking happened because Jay Leno and Helen Kushnick never spoke again. And when Kushnick died in 1996, Leno told TV guy, yeah, it's, it's too bad she died. Can we skip this? It was a bad breakup. It'd be coming for a long time. I was tired of pretending there wasn't a problem. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy indeed. Also, all that shit about not knowing the machinations that to get him the Tonight Show. Well, you know. It's total bullshit. Yeah, because it was no secret that Letterman wanted the show and, then to, and the Tonight Show when Carson retired, nor was it a secret that Carson wanted Letterman to be the host of the Tonight Show when he retired. But there was one secret, and it was a pretty goddamn big one. Jay Leno comes in here for gay bathroom sex. Well, I'd never actually heard that secret, but okay. I'll allow it, allegedly. The secret I'm talking about is, according to a 2023 article on People.com, quote, Jay had the secret deal, says Jimmy Brogan, a monologue writer at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Rick Ludwin, the vice president of NBC from 1983 to 2012, then explains, Jay Leno had just signed a new deal that guaranteed Jay the Tonight Show whenever Johnny Carson stepped down. It was part of his re-up as a guest host, and that was set, Brogan recalls. Ludwin then reveals that Letterman's demeanor was a factor in giving Leno the secret deal. Dealing with Dave had become bothersome and draining, and he could be unnecessarily rude to network people. Not just me, says Ludwin. So that did factor into my decision as to going with Jay Leno over David Letterman. You bet it did. Unquote. So let's not pretend good old Jay Leno was just a victim of his manager's ruthless style. He fucking knew what was going on, and when it came time to choose between his friends and making money, 
Well, we already know he did what he would choose because David Letterman had been his friend too. Leto only ever pretended to be that lovable minch with the chin. Again, I'm not going to make fun. I'm not going to body shame him. Not going to body shame him. Because we can't forget that Jay did it again to Conan O'Brien, who took the helm after Jay retired for a primetime show that no one wanted and no one watched. Conan, who had taken over for Letterman, and it was also widely assumed that he would move up when Jay Leno retired. Jay left. Conan did move up. Then Jay's rating sucks, and Jay unretired and came back and booted Conan off the gig. What a dick. The Conan thing is rightly a full episode, so I won't go into too much more detail now. And all of this made Jay Leno perhaps the most despised comedian in the business, at least by other, at least despised by other comedians. The list of feuds Jay Leno had with other comics is long and colorful, and here's just a short one that I pull from Ranker.com. Quote, prior to beginning to work on his ABC talk show, Jimmy Kimmel told TV Guide that he planned on doing the comedy version of The Tonight Show. George Lopez called Leno the biggest two-faced dude on TV and the worst interviewer on TV. Howard Stern noted, I've never seen anybody who behaves like a robot like this guy. Where's the emotion? Where's the humanity? Chris Rock said, you're a bad man, Jay Leno, to the host's face when he was a guest on Leno's program following the O'Brien kerfuffle. Patton Oswalt compared Leno to a disgraced President Richard Nixon. There's a Rick Perlstein book called Nixonland, the kind of a rise of Nixon and his sort of drive to power that is really weirdly parallel to Jay's, I think. And after Dennis Miller lost his late night show in 1992, he told Entertainment Weekly, Jay and I were very good friends at one point. I don't think I'll ever talk to him again, nor would he want to talk to me. And Arsenio Hall described Jay Leno as a punk-ass Leno in regard to Miller's cancellation, unquote. Good God, I could have gone on for another 20 minutes about all the people that fucking hated Jay Leno. But finally, there's this. Jay Leno isn't fucking funny. He hasn't been funny since he became the host of The Tonight Show. He used to be funny, but his entire run on The Tonight Show were nothing more than shitty banal jokes about current events all token that told in that smacking squeak that once you stab a pencil as deep into your skull as possible to make it stop, or more aptly, stab it into Jay's. Good fucking God, he beat dead horses. I mean, O.J. Simpsons. Everybody beat an O.J. Simpson horse to death. But oh, but fucking Leno rode the O.J. train till it fell off the track way in the 2010s. Motherfucker was still making O.J. jokes in the 2010s. And no one covered themselves with glory in the Clinton impeachment scandal. But Leno's vile jokes about Monica Lewinsky from her late, from her weight to her perceived sluttiness just never stopped coming. For fuck's sake, Monica Lewinsky was a 22-year-old girl and she didn't set out to become the public face of ill-considered blowjobs. None of us do. No one thinks, well, if I suck this one dick, I'll become famous for it. But hey, it happened and she didn't want a fucking part of it. No matter what, she didn't deserve Leno's sneering, lame-ass jokes for years. Something that Leno has never apologized for, and David Letterman has, because Leno doesn't apologize for anything. Ever. Jay Leno keeps going, because most of America know him as that affable TV guy. But Jay Leno was never that guy. He was and is a cutthroat competitor and then abandon them if they become inconvenient. And what he wants is money so that he can buy another stupid fucking car. I'm glad one of those motherfuckers finally blew up on him. Dave! Dave! Yeah, I said it. Dumbass headline 
fucking one note hack, fucking hack, pointy chin motherfucker. That is it for the show this week and for our winter series in 2024. Hell of a way to kick off the year, huh? We're taking next week off because I spent a shit ton of energy researching and writing these shows. And like Johnny Carson, I need a little time on the golf course to rejuvenate. Or just to go to a bar. Johnny does Johnny, I do me. February is bringing big changes for the show and two Seltzer Kings. My other show, The Dowers Boys, is officially spinning off, so be sure to to subscribe to it. And if you don't, I'll send Jeremy around to deal with you. Other cool things are in the pipeline, which will impact the show, so keep your ear to the ground for the big news. Hit us up at patreon.com slash whatthehellpodcast if you want to kick us a buck and be sure to do all the things that Jeremy tells you to do in the closing credits. Otherwise, Jeremy will have no other choice than to make Gavin hide in a closet to overhear all the reasons why you don't feel like we deserve a dollar. And so for me, Dave, now and then I think of when we were together... Like when you said you felt so happy that you could die and told and told myself that you were right for me, Bledsoe, producer. But you didn't have to cut me off. Make it out like it never happened and that we were nothing and I don't even need your love. Gavin! And all the fictional comedians who hate Jay Leno, you want to say, it was a lot harder to make these lyrics work in the closing than I thought it would be. And really, I just picked it because I had a little punny thing, so... You know what? We'll see you all in two weeks. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay Leno. Anyone remember where I was, when I was funny? Uh, eat, eat Doritos. They're good. <laughs> Satan fucking him in the ass on national TV. They're good and crispy. Here's Satan. Try the nacho flavored ones. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.